Welcome to Dwelling Place on this uh, eighth day of April, the first Sunday after the first full moon, uh, after, right, uh, the beginning of spring, I believe is how that goes. Easter and the timing of it have always been a little bit of a mystery to me, a little hard to sort out when Easter comes. This is a great spot for it, I think, not that anyone asked me, but it's not so much where it falls on the calendar, really, but the impact that it has in our hearts. I think, and, and today we, we want to just um, have this entire service be a bit of an expression of the beautiful exchange that happens because of the resurrection. Certainly not just because of the resurrection, but because of the cross and what happened there and the amazing miracle of salvation that comes. Really for me, I think the easiest way to say this is just to say that Easter is, is the climactic event, if you will, in redemption story. We talk a lot here in Dwelling Place about redemption story and how each of us has a part in the telling of that story. The story is not complete without your part in it. And I think it's really cool to think about how God put us and placed us on the planet uh, at the same time. You know, our, we have overlap in our lives. And in that, the context of the gospel gets lived out in the body of Christ. And that each of us are, again, I'll say a part of redemption story. Um, and today, again, we celebrate that amazing moment when um, the cruelty of the cross became the beauty of the empty tomb. This is a weekend, but really, of celebration. But it began with what were the darkest hours uh, for the church, if you will. What appeared to be the fulfillment of a promise uh, seemed to have hit a dead end uh, at the death of Christ on the cross. And then a, a stone was rolled over it as if to put some sort of finality. To, to, it was like a closed case, if you will. But I don't know if you heard this. Actually, someone mentioned it to me this morning. I had uh, I'd heard it before. I'd even actually experienced the uh, fullness of it. But I think it was um, John McDermott, who's a DP regular, who said to me this morning, hey, he didn't stay dead. I don't know if you knew, knew about that. Turns out that when they rolled the stone over the tomb, um, yeah, it wasn't as final as it appeared. And I, Yeah, and I would say that as a, um, a source of encouragement to you today. There may be some things that have happened in your life that you feel like, man, that, that just, you know, that was it. That was it. That was a coup de grace. It was over. And that'll never be redeemed. That'll never be restored. Maybe that, that, that you refer to is actually you. Wouldn't that be a shame if someone thought that they were beyond redemption? When the price that would, was paid was so significant, it, it would be sad to assume that any of us were beyond redemption. And... Again, what a beautiful exchange. I think of the scripture in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, not hard to pick a scripture for Easter, by the way. They, meaning this group of women, went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone. See, I told you. Uh, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Dazzling apparel. Man, I don't know what that means, but I bet it was something to see. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? I think that's one of the most epic questions in the history of the universe, right? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day? He would rise. And then they remembered his words. It's funny how sometimes not a, 
a not-so-subtle reminder is necessary to help us see truth. I hope that that's true today. I hope that what you see and what you experience here will be a not-so-subtle reminder of the love that God has for you and the redemption that is there for each of us. I hope that there's not anything in your life when you leave this place today that you don't believe He can redeem. I hope that every part of it, you believe you can put that in His hand, that you could somehow lay that at the foot of the cross and that He could bring life from death. And what a beautiful exchange. The Scripture goes on to say that the Son of Man must first be delivered in the hands of sinful man and be crucified and on the third day rise. And then verse 8, And they remembered His words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Stop there for just a second. Just a second. That was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, history tells us that she was the lady that he had delivered of seven demons. She was a demoniac. I don't know what got her in that place of desperation, but I know this, that it had laid her low until Jesus came and lifted her up. Again, what a beautiful exchange. And this word Magdalene, it probably specifies where she was probably married from Magdala, which was a seaside city on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. But the word Magdala, or Magdalene, if it were her name, literally meant tower. Like this lady who had been laid low now can stand tall, and in fact she was the first person. Come on, what a beautiful exchange. What an incredible reversal. What unbelievable redemption. Come on, someone apply that to their heart today. Apply that to you. Apply that to your heart, to your soul, to your situation. And believe. Could you just with us today believe in the power of, of redemption? And not only redemption, but I'm going to ask you to take another step of faith today. And not only believe in redemption, but also believe in restoration. As you see these songs lived out in dance, even over the next several minutes, I hope that you will not only believe that God has paid, that Jesus has paid your sin debt. It's not just that you get a free pass then to heaven. Oh, I get to heaven but rather even this, that you can have an intimate relationship with the Father. He didn't just come to redeem us. He came to restore the relationship. seems to me sometimes we accept the forgiveness, but we stand at a distance because we don't believe we deserve the relationship. And yet we know that He's called us not only right, to a point of redemption, but also to restoration, literally even to intimacy with the Father. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, who was the wife of the manager of Herod's household. These were long shots. Mary, the mother of James, and other women with them told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. Meaning the disciples didn't really believe. And they, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Way to go, Peter. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Um, just out of that song, that's one of my favorites, but the verse that his love for us is stronger than death, it's just like that's a really powerful declaration. And I just want to read from Hebrews two, fourteen and 15. It says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, 
that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. And I was just praying about um, this scripture, because this scripture has always just really hit me, that he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. And you see this, this aspect of fear um, for a lot of people is a place of bondage and a place of, of slavery. And when you put fear of death in there, um, immediately the words that I hear just concerning, especially concerning this life, are, is this loss, like a fear of loss in this life. And I really feel like today, like my prayer has been that we would confidently access that which Christ has done for us. And, um, and just some of the fears that were hit me, like were fear of sickness, a fear of lack, fear of failure, fear of abandonment, fear of the future. And I mean, we could just go on and on and on. And the awesome thing in this great, this this beautiful exchange, as we're kind of terming it, is that not only has he given, has he conquered death, because the fact is, is we have eternal life with him. And in that, there's no loss or no gain in this world that could ever compare to what is in store for us with him. And so he provides that provision eternally, but he also, his provision is for now in this life. And just some of the things that were just really hidden me about that was just this place of one that, that he chose us so that we can live with this identity of being chosen by him. We're chosen to be the temple of God as the children, as, as they were studying like the temple. It's just so awesome to be able to start declaring to them, well, no, like he didn't come to, to be in a temple in a building anymore. He chose us because that's what's important to him is relationship, is to restore a relationship with him. So this place that we're chosen to be his temple, but more than that, we're chosen to be his children. And we've, we've been given access to the King of Kings. We've been given access to God Almighty to be in intimate relationship with him as his kids. And, um, and he's actually called us you see later on in, in Hebrews, he says to confidently come before his throne. So he's given us this place of being able to come before him in confidence because he has given us complete forgiveness. That he's restored that relationship, that he's white. He's given us access to, to have our sins completely just gone, that he doesn't remember them anymore. Um, and, and you could just go on just the place of how he's, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. So even in this world that we have comfort, but not only that, but healing, restoration, and redemption um, in this life and the life to come. And, and today, that's where I was just really just hearing this place where we, that we access that, that there's this place where his provision has been provided, but there, like, I believe that, that whether it's condemnation or shame or guilt would keep us from confidently running to him. Well, he's paid the price for that. And in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And, and that's what I just declare, that 
as a body that we would confidently run before him, to him, and access this, this provision, not only for us, but as we, we agree with others um, and pray for others. So. One of the ways that we can access that is by celebrating uh, this time with communion. And we're going to do that as a body. Um, really, it's a beautiful exchange, isn't it? Um, that even just as Leah was talking about, you know, we're, we get to exchange fear for love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. That's a good exchange, isn't it? Anybody want to take that up today? I do. Uh, we get to exchange, uh, you know, this whole place of darkness, if I can get in the dark, in the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness, and I get to be in the kingdom of light, his beloved, of his beloved son. What an exchange. And so we're going to celebrate that with communion. Um, I can just remember the first... One of the most powerful times I had, was doing communion. I, we were uh, Niels and Kim Steika, as many of you know them. Uh, I was supposed to do with Ron and Rick. I was kind of tagged in to do communion. And so I had my little spiel kind of already written up, and I was ready to go. And Man, five, minute, five minutes before I was supposed to get up, which I'm, I'm usually up. Y'all saw last week, I like to have it all lined out, and you know I can talk from that, but... All of a sudden, the Lord just downloaded just so much information about what the heart of communion was. Could you imagine in that place of being up in the upper room and getting ready, and all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about, hey, I'm, I'm going to go pay a price. This is going to be kind of the Last Supper, as they call it. And all of a sudden, you know, they didn't even, the disciples didn't even understand the fullness of that. But he was giving them something that when it did happen, that they were going to be able to remember him by. And to remember his promises, to remember his faithfulness, to remember everything he was about. Because all of a sudden they were embarking on something that they didn't know. And it was like, I was just about ready to, we were just ready to get Niels and Kim married off. And I mean, all of you have been married. You know, like, that's the, you know, that whole thing about the Star Trek, you know, going into the new frontier, right? You know, you don't know what's ahead. But I do know that God's faithful wherever I go in that. And he just started downloading all this stuff to me and just began to speak. I am going to be with you. That's why we need to take communion to remember him by. It doesn't have to be just on a Sunday. It can be every day. That communion with God. And we're going to celebrate that today. So as the, uh, the guys are going to start passing uh, uh, the communion out, uh, the worship team is going to sing over his beautiful exchange that's what it is and that's what i encourage you we always we always say this is if, if you feel like you're in a place that you don't need to take communion or you don't want to take communion feel free to pass the basket there's no judgment no condemnation on that this morning at all uh, but if you want to take communion i also t- tell parents you know you guys figure that out for your kids so whether you want them to take communion or not but we're going we're gonna to take this time. Lord, thank you for this time of communion. Thank you for just the song that the uh, worship team is going to declare over to us. And Lord, we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. And if we'll hold all those to the end, I'll come back and we'll take that together.
received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he had betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. I love that. Which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's just take the bread together. body for the bread that we partake of, Lord God, that represents your body, God, that was uh, broken for us, Lord God. Thank you for uh, that you, Lord, you did so, something so powerful that day, that brought healing, that brought restoration, that brought redemption, God, all at one time, Lord God. And Lord, we just thank you for that, your faithfulness in that. In the same way, you took the cup also after supper, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. So let's take the cup. Lord, thank you for the blood that was shed for, on our behalf, God. To, Lord, as your word says, make us white as snow, God. What, that's a good exchange. God, thank you that you just uh, come and you just, you, you bled and you died on that cross, God, for us, for us, for us today. Lord, may we make that beautiful exchange today, God. May we just uh, live in that resurrection power. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you can just pass your cups this way. Y'all can pass them this way. Y'all can pass them this way. Somebody's going to come down those aisles and just grab them so you don't have to... all you can say, right? Wow. That was awesome. He covers me. He covers me. He covers us. He covers you. I love it. I love it. I love it. Man, God's so good. He's so good. I love the fact that that Jesus conquered death. He conquers death. Spiritual, physical, emotional, whatever the case may be, he conquers death. And because he conquers death, because he overcame, we too can overcome. We can live life as overcomers because of who he is, what he did, and what he does. You see, I love the story of Lazarus, right? You have a story of a guy who's dead. Yet Jesus, Jesus, through his miracle working power, raises a dead man back to life. You see, Jesus simply speaks the word. And Lazarus, who was dead, comes forth in life. Full of life. And I love the story of Lazarus not only because of that, but because of the prayer that Jesus prays. You see, in the book of John, I can picture Jesus praying this prayer as he tilts his head towards heaven and says, Lord, I thank you that you hear me. Yet I know that you always hear me, but, but I'm praying this out loud for their benefit so that they would know that you sent me. You see, Jesus took the time to pray this prayer out loud for our benefit, for their benefit, for your benefit. I mean, you think about the life of Jesus Christ, right? You think about all the times he spoke again and again that he was the son of God, that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes unto the Father but through me. 
Jesus spoke that time and time again. He said that he would one day die and in three days rise again. He said that to the people. Yet after his death and his resurrection, after his work on this earth was complete, Jesus could have simply ascended into heaven. But what does he do? He chooses to reveal himself to Mary for her benefit. He chooses to reveal himself to Thomas and allow Thomas to see the scars in his hands and touch the scars on his sides for his benefit. He chooses to have a conversation with Peter, a conversation that redeems Peter, that restores Peter, a conversation that empowers Peter to be all that God had called him to be. He chooses to do this for his benefit. And on today, I believe Christ is saying the same thing. He's saying that he wants to do all of these amazing things for you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to minister to you. He wants to move in your life. He wants to make himself known to you for your benefit, for your benefit. This God, this mighty God, this powerful God, this God who created the universe, put such value in relationship and put such high value in each and every one of us that he chooses to make himself known to us. He chooses to be known for your benefit, for your benefit. So on this day, know that through Christ's death and through his resurrection, that he did it all. He did it all. Who he is, who he is in your life, he does it all for your benefit, for your benefit. Whew. Yeah. Amen. And forget not, right, all his benefits. I don't know if you've ever lost your way. Ever get a little off point? I mean, the, the lyric in that song, uh, that swat and days of grace just dead, and sometimes I lose my way. I just relate to that to the nth degree. I feel like even just in, um, in my temporal life, you know, like not even speaking something spiritual, or but certainly metaphorically, but I have... I think I have a pretty good sense of direction. You know, like in general terms, I feel like I'm, I pretty much know which is north, south, east, and west. And sometimes, actually, that's what gets me in trouble. I have kind of a fairly good sense of direction. I still get significantly... See, I don't like to use the word lost. I'd rather say temporarily misplaced. You ever get temporarily misplaced? Like, that's what I always try to tell Karen. I'm, like, I'm not lost. We're not lost. We're just temporarily misplaced. You know, we're going to get back on point in just a minute. What, what is really hilarious to me about me is how often I end up in places that I never meant to be. I don't know, it's just like old habits sometimes are a bit hard to break. Or, or we are, as it were, creatures of habit. Maybe it's not even necessarily something that we need to break. I'll give you for an example. My truck just somehow miraculously ends up, well, here. Like I'll be going somewhere completely different. I'm supposed to meet someone somewhere and I'm parking at the church. And I'm like, what am I doing? It's like when I'm on this road, I think I'm supposed to drive into this parking lot or Walmart. Man, I end up at Walmart. I'm like pulling in. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I was not going to Walmart. Sometimes it's more significant than that from a spiritual perspective. You know, we just, we, we were traveling along the way. Paul asked the question this way. He said, um, you seem to be doing so well. Right? What, what has gotten you off point? What took you off course? And we know, though, that there are a lot of things that do. There are those sins and weights that seemingly so easily actually take us off course. 
But there's such an encouragement today in the power of the resurrection and knowing that he brings, he bring, not only can he literally, as Craig said, bring life from death, right? But it is, again, as uh, the prophet wrote, he took my feet out of, right, the miry clay. I mean, he's so good at extraction. <laughs> he knows how to get us out of trouble. And the reality is he is crazy in love with us. He's crazy in love with you. He can't help himself. It's who he is. He is love. Just, just so you don't miss the memo. Now, he's a God who loves judgment. The scripture says that that's so. So in order to satisfy the judgment, there had to be a sacrifice that was equivalent or greater than our own disobedience toward God. And the only one who could balance the scales against that disobedience was God himself. And so he sent himself in his own son. Right? That's what the cross is about. It's about the great buyback. It's about redemption. It's about a God who loves us so much from any uh, earthly perspective who loves us too much for his own good. But certainly not too much for our good. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, in that while we were still sinners. He said Christ proves his love for us. Come on, someone who don't know if Christ has proved that he loves you enough. Come on, somebody. He proved his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 61 and verse 3 that he, in the great exchange, the beautiful exchange that he gives us, he takes what was for us a time of mourning and makes it joyful. He takes what should have been a time when we, we were in sackcloth and ashes, mourning the death maybe of our own destiny. Come on, somebody. He took that and He gave us, the Scripture says, a beautiful headdress. He made that a moment of celebration by the miracle of a Messiah on a cross. He took that time of mourning. He gave us beauty for ashes. Maybe this morning your situation is just that somehow you got off point. Well, let me refresh your memory of those who also had put their zeal in the wrong place. Like the Apostle Paul, for instance. Certainly Paul. Paul's one of the great heroes of the New Testament of the Christian faith. But you know this, that Paul was first Saul. And while he was Saul, Jim, he was the he was arguably, at least he was on his way to becoming the greatest persecutor of the early church. He received his discipleship at the stoning of Stephen. And he took his lesson to heart and he went about his business of uh, incarcerating Christians who would wait and uh, stay for execution, right? But then he had his own moment of great grace in a Damascus Road experience, right? And he met the risen, come on. He met the risen Savior. He was so sure. Maybe you're here today and you're just so sure. You're so, so sure of the, the path you've chosen, the direction you've taken, even if it takes you away from God and the destiny that He has for you. But I pray today that you would, you would have another revelation of relationship with the risen Savior because uh, He's never given up on the destiny that He has for you. I think of the demoniac at the tombs. I just don't know that it could get much worse than that, just if perchance you might be thinking, but I've messed up too much. I'm saying the man found a man who was so demonized that he found himself naked in a graveyard. That's messed up. 
I've been messed up. I've never been naked in a graveyard. Just for the record. I'm trying to put judgments on anybody. Don't want to speak anything. I'm saying that Jesus still found that man and made him whole and made him free. So how dare any of us say that our mess is too much for the Messiah? Talk about beauty for rashes. It's only though when it's in His hand that it is hope. There's a place where we've got to take that thing that we've held on to and we've got to give it to God. And we can say, I can trust you with this. Even with my own heart. God, I've made such a mess. Some of us though, our other response would be to try to fix the mess before we come before the Messiah. Wow, is that ever the cart before the horse? Good luck with pushing that uphill. That's not the grace place. But it's actually when we come into His presence that there is power for redemption and healing. And He came. You've heard me say this if you've heard me before. I know some of you haven't. But He came so we could come. It's 200... Not, <laughs> there's zero days till Easter. It's 259 days till Christmas. 259 sleeps. Beg to differ. 260 days. Yeah. He came. Came as a babe in a manger, right? And he died as a grown man on a cross. So that we could come. So we could bring the thing that hurts us or holds us. Maybe it's even just a recognition of redemption for us today. Maybe for some of us it's just saying, not that there's anything particular in this moment. But it's just that we still know that we are men and women in need of a Savior. Maybe today for you, the flower that you received would be just a trophy of grace. Maybe it would be what God's already done. Maybe it would be what you would trust God to do. Ever we would think that we had to earn it before we could receive it. We should consider even the scene on the cross where Jesus was there at the edge of death. And there was a criminal, the scripture says. One of the criminals, Luke 23, verse 39 says, One of the criminals who were hanged beside him railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and indeed justly? For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Has there ever been a more powerful story of redemption? You had no time left to make it right. If perchance you would try to make it right before you come, remember this story. There was no other... He'd spent his entire life, right? In rebellion, but in the final moments, simply because he would turn to God and trust in Him, Jesus would say then, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Here's the reality. He never gives up on the destiny He puts in us. Which is incidentally so much more than a metaphor. I think the only question is the question that Leah asked earlier. Will we access that great grace? Will we let fear or trepidation or any other kind of deception keep us from the God who loves us? Will we see it? Will we receive it? Because I know for some of us in this moment still, in this moment, in spite of what has been sung and said, 
danced and done, it still doesn't seem so real or true. I heard a story about um, a tribe of Indians off the coast of Argentina when the explorers first hit that part of the southern continent. And they came through the strait into the harbor where these Indians had kept what is known as a ring of fire. They, they tended fires uh, 24 hours a day on the beaches. You may have read about it or heard about it. And these men came through in these huge galleons for the first time ever. These great boats had made their way into the, into the bay. And, and the natives hardly responded at all. And they asked them later, why didn't, what, what, how could you not at least be, what is this? And they said it was so different than anything we had ever seen before that we assumed it wasn't real, that it was just an apparition. And I, think, I say sometimes that's how we treat Christ. He's just so different. He responds so differently, so miraculously than anyone or anything we've ever experienced before. But don't miss Him today. Don't miss the mystery or the miracle of the touch of the Messiah of the Master's hand. When I wrote that in my journal last night, it reminded me of a poem that was at, actually, I think, in the 70s or 80s created into a Christian song. But I'm going to read the poem to you today and then I'll segue us to just a point of response and we have another song and then a dance to close out our time together today. But it's a poem about a violin. I actually meant to bring Karen's violin just to show you. But the poem goes like this. "'Twas battered and scarred in the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bid, good people?' he cried. "'Who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar. Do I hear two? Two dollars. Who makes it three? Three dollars. That's a good price. Who will make a bid for me?' But from the back of the room, a gray-bearded man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as the angel sings. And when the music ceased and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What now am I bid for this old violin? And he held it aloft with its bow. One thousand the bid, who will make it two? There's two thousand, who will make it three? There's 3,000. Nice. That's a good price. Does anyone else have a bid for me? And the audience cheered, but some of them cried. We just don't understand. What changed is worth? Swift came the reply. It's the touch of the master's hand. You were given a flower when you came in today. I think we only had 400, and I have a report that we may have ran out. But I'm going to ask you today to bring that flower to this cross. And really, this just again represents maybe it's something today you need to put in His hand. Maybe it's a situation or a circumstance or a lack of relationship, and you just need to put it... Maybe it's your heart, and you're going to just you're just going to say, "I'm bringing this to the cross where Christ died, in the hope of the resurrection." Right? That it will be different for me. Maybe it is for you a trophy. 
maybe, or rather it is his trophy, not ours, right? But it is that thing that God has done. And you would just say, you know what? I want to bring that to him. And you can do a couple of things. You can, you can attach it to the cross that way if you want. And we would like to see it full of flowers. It was in the first service. Probably, though, we'll run out of room. And so I would encourage you. There's a basket in the front as well. It's entirely appropriate to lay that in the basket at the foot of the cross. And then if you don't have a flower, as you come up, you can just take one from that basket. It'll be okay. They can do double duty. And you can attach that to the cross. And I'm going to ask you to approach from the front. Approach the front from the side aisles and exit down the middle. That'll help us because we had quite a little traffic jam in the first service. And, and please don't hesitate to decorate the front and the back. And we'll have people up here that will help you. If you're having trouble attaching it, they can help you do that. But I want to do this real quickly first. And then we're they're going to sing over us while we attach our uh, flowers to the cross. And then we're going to end with a dance. So this is the only response that we're going to have other than that. But I want to ask you this before we segue to that. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Because I think it would be an egregious failure on my part if we didn't do this. If you're in the house of the Lord today, first I'm going to ask you this. Is there one here today? And you've walked with God. You've known God, but you're not walking with God now. I'm not, I'm not here to try to, to make any judgments about the situation with eternity for you. You and God alone can sort that out. But I'm going to ask you, though, this, that if you know that you're not walking with God, you're not enjoying the closeness of right relationship with Him today, and this would be a day for you to just run back into the arms of a Father who loves you much. That that's doable because of the sacrifice of the Son. And you know you need it. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you'd say, just pray with me. Agree with me today. I'm going to pray with you right where you are. Okay? That's all we're going to do today. I'm going to pray with you right where you are. But if that's you, is there one today who would say, I just want to walk. I'm not walking in, in the relationship with God that I know I, I want and, and need and that He wants for me. If that's you, would you slip up your hand real quickly? This is not a salvation altar call. This is one, two, three, four. Is there five? Is it six? Seven? Eight? I'm sure I'm missing some. You can just slip them up and back down. Nine. I see that. Is there a tenth? Is there a tenth person who would just say today, I just, I need to run back to God. Ten and eleven, I see that. Is there a twelfth? Looking left and right. There's twelve. Is there a thirteenth? Just slip it up and right back down. That's fine. Is there anyone else? Real quick. There's thirteen and fourteen. Little hands with big hearts count too. Is there a 15th person today who would say, I just need to come back to the right, a close and intimate relationship? 16. Real quick, I'm going to hold till folks quit responding. Is there a 17th person sitting in the seat today who would just say, you know what? I'm not even sure how to navigate this, but I do want to come home to God. I want to be close. I want to walk in the destiny of the design that was laid out for me. Is there a 17th person to whom that applies? Just slip your hand up real quick. Just trying to come home. Just trying to come home. I saw that. 17. Is there 18? Is there one more? 18. No. 19? And then this. 
Is there one in the house today who would say, I, I don't, I'm not walking in a redemptive relationship with God. I'm not saved, Ron. If Jesus were to come back today, I know I'm not ready to meet him. I want to access the grace that became available on Resurrection Sunday some 2,000 plus years ago. I need Jesus to come in and redeem my life today. I'm not ready to meet him if he were to come. Would you pray with me? And if that's you, would you slip up your hand? Is there one across the room today? I'm not walking in a redemptive relationship with Jesus. I need to be saved today, rescued, as it were. There's one. Is there two? You can just put that hand back down. I see that. Is there two? Is there another this morning? You would just say, I need to come home. I need to be saved. I need to walk into a redemptive relationship with Jesus. Is there another this morning? There's two. Appreciate your candor and your honesty. Once you've slipped the hand up, you can put it back down. I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. Is there a third person this morning that would just like to give their heart to him? Salvation is here. Is there a third person this morning? I see that. Little hands and big hearts. Is there a fourth? everyone pray with me this morning if you raise your hand now this is your moment this is your moment and your miracle this is your time this is your april the 8th 2012 write it in your journal this is a day that lasts forever for you so when we pray this prayer we pray this prayer with power and punch so pray it with me would you dear jesus so thankful for you and the gift of grace for the cruel cross and the empty tomb. And sorry today, God, for the decisions I've made that have separated me from you. Lord, I repent of that. And God, I, I pray you grace me now to live the rest of my life for you. Guide and guard my heart, Jesus. powerful name, Jesus, I pray. Let it be done. Amen. And amen. And then this, would you just, this is, this is different and unique, but would you grab the hand of your neighbor? Let's pray this prayer together. There were some near 20 people, and I'm sure we didn't all respond, but you can just pray this prayer on your own, and I'm going to pray over you. God, right now, just speak destiny into this crowd and congregation. Lord, as we look at our lives and we see the destinies that you have set apart for us, God, we pray by a miracle of grace that we would walk in them, Lord. For those that raised their hand this morning and, and just even readily admitted, God, that maybe they're not where they need to be in relationship. God, I pray that, that the work that you've done on this cross and the power of your resurrection, Lord, would close the gap in this moment miraculously, graciously, God, close the gap, Lord, that we could walk in, in just a right and tight relationship with you, Jesus, and with the Father that we can live out our destinies, that your touch changes everything forever. We declare that over this body. And I pray this prayer, God, that every plan and dream you've ever made for us would come true. I just pray that every plan and dream you have ever made for us would come true in your labor of love, God. Let it be 
so in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Now I'm going to ask you to, to bring your flower to the front, okay? And just uh, just come. And, and, you know, as you do that, let it represent something. Come on, you can come now. Lord, let it be powerful before you. Make sure.